With the new iPhone SE for less than 100 bucks at Metro, you rule. It's the most affordable iPhone on the number one brand in prepaid. So whether you're studying online or FaceTiming. Hey, Mom. Hi, dear. The iPhone SE has all you need. Switch to Metro and get the iPhone SE for $99.99 after rebate redemption and six months of service with AutoPay. Metro by T-Mobile. Rule your day. Limit one per account slash household. Requires port and ID validation. Not valid for numbers currently on the T-Mobile network or active on Metro in past 90 days. Restrictions apply. See store for details. The Leslie Marshall Show. A true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. Live from our nation's capital, it's Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. Welcome to Deadline DC. I'm Brad Bannon. I'm a Democratic strategist, a columnist for The Hill in Washington, DC, and a political commentator for news radio stations KNX in Los Angeles and WGN in Chicago. My company, Bannon Communications Research, polls for progressive issue groups, labor unions, and Democrats. If you want to learn more about me or Bannon Communications Research, you can can find more information um, about me, or if you want to comment on the show, if you have any ideas or suggestions on the show, uh, you can contact me at Twitter at Brad Bannon. Welcome to all of you watching me on Twitter or Periscope. Now everyone can watch the show by going to periscope.tv front slash Brad Bannon. You can also watch us now for the first time today on Facebook Live. Our guest in the first half hour is Colonel Cedric Layton, U.S. Air Force retired, who joins us to discuss national security policy. I always enjoy having Colonel Layton on the show uh, because uh, for the simple reason presidents spend most of their time on foreign policy, but it doesn't get much discussion uh, during the campaign. So we're here to, in our own way, to remedy that today. In the second half hour, we're going to talk politics in the presidential race. Our guest on the provocative progressive political panel are Kimberly Scott the publisher of Demlist, uh, and progressive political activist Mark Grimaldi. Our guest, as I said, our guest in the first half hour is Colonel Cedric Layton, uh, U.S. Air Force retired. Uh, He is the founder and president of Cedric Layton Associates, a strategic risk and leadership consultancy serving global companies and organizations. He founded the company in 2010 after serving in the U.S. Air Force for 26 years as an intelligence officer and attaining the rank of colonel. Colonel Layton can also be seen regularly on CNN, where he is a military analyst. The colonel's Twitter handle is at Cedric Layton, and his website is CedricLayton.com. Welcome, Colonel Layton. Welcome back to Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. Okay, let's be back with you. I'm glad you could make it. We always have interesting discussions, I think. Uh, Anyway, uh, 
Joe Biden may or may not be the next president. He's leading in the polls right now, but we still have over three months left to the presidential election. And you never know in the crazy political climate uh, we live in. Uh, But if Joe Biden just become president, what do you think his foreign policy priorities should be? Well, I think one of the big things, Brad, that he'll have to do is he'll have to fix our alliances, repair our connections to all kinds of countries, particularly with NATO, with our Western European and Central European allies. He'll also have to stand up to Russia and he'll have to stand up to China. Uh, and he'll have to be very clear uh, in terms of uh, you know everything from coronavirus uh, response, coronavirus reactions, both uh, you know what to do uh, with people who are trying to steal our uh, vaccine research uh, and also how to cooperate with other countries. Uh, so there is a you know a lot of um, uh, to and f- uh, back and forth really that uh, that uh, Joe Biden will have to do if he becomes uh, the president of the United States. Uh, but uh, the first thing I would say is repairing alliances. The second thing is changing the course of the country from a unilateralist approach to a a multilateral, more globalist approach, in essence, becoming a more traditional American president than what we've seen under Donald Trump. And that the reason for that change is to make sure that we maintain the security of the United States uh, and do so with the help of uh, our allies and also to send a signal to our adversaries uh, that uh, not only are we uh, are we back, uh, but we are here to stay. And that's the kind of thing that Joe Biden will need to do uh, in order to uh, not only gain the upper hand when it comes to foreign policy issues, but also to bring back a much more traditional American approach to global affairs. Uh, why do you say that uh, Joe Biden, Joe Biden's going to have his plate full if he wins the presidential election? We have a pandemic. Uh, the economy is sagging. Uh, gl- climate change is lurking around the corner. Uh, why do you say that uh, Joe Biden's first priority uh, in the national security area should be repairing our relationship with our allies? Well, I think that, uh, you know, having experienced uh, what life is like with allies and what life is like without allies, or at least with few allies, uh, the best way uh, to move forward in foreign relations is if you have good, strong allies by your side. Uh, If you can count on other countries to help you with things or at least to support you, uh, then the heavy lifting both diplomatically and militarily is made a lot easier. Uh, You know, people as far back you know, really to the beginning of our republic, but more recently to World War II, knew that what they had to do was enlist the support of like-minded nations to defeat the Nazis. And that same kind of approach needs to be done uh, with both uh, President Xi of China and President Putin of Russia. Uh, Coddling either one of those uh, is going to be a big mistake when it comes to uh, not only foreign policy, but also the security of not only the United States, but all of its uh, traditional partner nations as well. Okay, I'd like you to comment on something. Uh, Last week, I think, uh, Colonel Alexander Vindman uh, retired from the Army. Uh, Now, Colonel Vindman, as I'm sure many of our listeners know, uh, was one of the whistleblowers uh, who threw a red flag up uh, based on a conversation uh, 
that uh, that President Trump had uh, with uh, Ukrainian officials uh, about, uh, you know, essentially digging up dirt on Joe Biden. Uh, what do you have to say about uh, this episode? Seems to me a pretty sad and tragic episode uh, in American history. Oh, I agree, Brad. It's it is definitely a a tragic episode, and uh, what it also shows is the degree of influence that uh, the administration, the current administration, is exercising over the minutest details of the military promotion system. Uh, Colonel Vindman uh, was a student at the Army War College. Uh, he was uh, in the process. He had done all of the things that he needed to do in order to achieve the next level. He was a Purple Heart recipient uh, due to uh, wounds that he received while serving in Iraq. Uh, and of course, he served on the National Security Council staff, which is the place where he heard uh, that famous phone call, that infamous phone call that you're talking about with Ukraine's President Zelensky. Uh, so what uh, Colonel Vindman heard on that call troubled him a great deal. And the fact that he went in front of Congress to basically say that uh, not only was he concerned about the call, uh, but that he felt it needed to be reported and that the president's conduct, the U.S. president's conduct, uh, was questionable. That definitely uh, put him in the crosshairs of the administration and politicized not only uh, his specific promotion, but also the promotions of everyone who was going to be promoted at about the same time, uh, or at least on what they call the same promotion list. So uh, what Colonel Vindman did was, uh, I think, uh, you know, is at least in, in a microcosm, one of the more honorable things that I've seen lately, and that was in order to save other members of the military, especially other members of the army, uh, from having their promotions delayed, he decided to withdraw himself not only from competition for the promotion to colonel, but also uh, from the army as as a career. Uh, now, it's that part is uh, you know while honorable you know for him as a person, it's a very sad commentary on how far the politicization of the military has gone in the Trump administration. And it's a very dangerous precedent to set for anybody who is even contemplating being a whistleblower in uh, you know a sensitive area like the National Security Council, uh, the intelligence agencies, or any of the other uh, myriad bureaus and departments that uh, uh, the Department of Defense has. So it's, it's a very dangerous precedent and it's something that we have to be very, very uh, cognizant of. And uh, I think, you know, from a congressional perspective, it's going to require a lot of uh, continued oversight to make sure that the promotion process doesn't become even more unraveled uh, during this period. Okay. Uh, our guest in this half hour is uh, Colonel Cedric Layton, U.S. Air Force retired, who's here to discuss national security policy. We're going to break now for our audio listeners, for our Twitter and Facebook Live listeners. We'll continue the interview with, uh, with the Colonel. Welcome back to our audio Hour is Colonel Cedric Layton, U.S. Air Force Retire. He's the founder and president of Cedric Layton Associates, a strategic 
risk and leadership consultancy, serving global companies and organizations. Uh, he founded the company after serving tw uh, in the U uh, U.S. Air Force for 26 years as an intelligence officer. Uh, okay, uh, let's try something else. Uh, one of the things that uh, concerns me a lot, although you don't uh, here, uh, well, actually, let me start something else. Uh, there's been a lot of back and forth on this question of uh, uh, Russians putting a bounty uh, on uh, American soldiers killed by the Taliban. Uh, there's also a question of whether or not uh, the president was alerted to that. Uh, and if he had was alerted, why he hasn't done or said anything about it? Could you comment on that issue, please? Sure, Brad. I, the idea of a bounty uh, for the Taliban uh, whenever they killed an American or allied soldier uh, is, uh, of course, reprehensible and it violates all kinds of international rules, uh, plus just uh, standard practices of good military and diplomatic behavior. Uh, it is a very serious issue. Uh, and, you know, based on the reporting, it seems fairly convincing uh, that uh, the Russian intelligence service uh, got in uh, with uh, elements of the Taliban and basically offered them bounties, oddly enough, in U.S. dollars uh, to go ahead and uh, kill as many Americans and allies, allied soldiers as they could in Afghanistan. Uh, reprehensible behavior, uh, it is something that uh, you know, will, you know, it's really designed, you know, from a Russian standpoint uh, to hasten the withdrawal of the American forces from Afghanistan. In essence, it's payback for some of the things that we did in Afghanistan in the 1980s to get the Russians out, or at that time the Soviets. Uh, so you can look at it, you know, as a, a way in which the great powers, uh, you know, fight each other. But regardless, uh, you know, whether or not they wanted to pay us back, quote unquote, uh, it was still, a, you know, something that I believe is extremely serious and requires a very strong response from the White House and from the president himself. As far as we know, there has been no strong response from President Trump uh, in in this situation. He has not uh, gone public with anything that he said to uh, President Putin. Uh, as far as we know, he's not said anything to President Putin directly about this. Uh, this is the kind of thing that should be denounced at the highest levels and in the most in the strongest terms uh, that. Uh, that one can muster, uh, you know, for this kind of thing, because, you know, what uh, what the Russians were trying to do is, uh, you know, basically uh, have the Taliban, uh, you know, take care of the American problem as the Russians would see it. And uh, then uh, they would, uh, you know, be not only getting us out of Afghanistan, but they'd also be weakening the government uh, that we support in Kabul, the, go uh, the government of Ashraf Ghani, uh, the Afghan president. So it is one of the worst things uh, that another country can do uh, to the United States, and it is something that requires us to really get in there and say, uh, you don't do that to us uh, because if you do this, we will sanction you. Uh, we will do other things to make your life very difficult. Yeah, it just seems to me this continues in a very troubling pattern by the president. Uh, of course, first, there's the uh, 
issue of Russian interference uh, in the 2016 election to get Donald Trump elected in the first place, uh, then it seems to me in a number of foreign policy areas that the president has caved to Putin, uh, I would say in Syria would be a good example. Uh, and it's, it's a very troubling pattern. Uh, while we're in that part of the world, let me ask you another question about Afghanistan. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, there was a vote in the Senate uh, about re uh, removing American troops from Afghanistan. Uh, it did not pass. Uh, but what is your opinion? A lot of Americans are troubled now. We've been involved in Afghanistan for 19 years, and the country seems to be a god, still a god-awful mess. Uh, what's your opinion on our policy towards Afghanistan and American troops there? Well, in a nutshell, our current policy has basically failed in Afghanistan, Brad. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's very disturbing. You know, once you uh, stay in a place too long, and I define too long if an entire military career can take place in that time frame. So, you know, 19 years, uh, that's almost to the 20-year point when people are eligible to retire from the military. Uh, so, you know, using that somewhat artificial timeline, I, I would say that, uh, you know, you have to have when you go into a place like Afghanistan, and you know, I would argue that uh, our efforts after 9-11 to go into Afghanistan uh, were justified, uh, but you have to have a specific goal in mind. That goal can be something like overthrow the Taliban, which we did, uh, and then uh, you know, get rid of Osama bin Laden, which eventually we did. Uh, but once you achieve those goals, then you have to say, okay, what are the kinds of things that I can do? Uh, what, how can I, in essence, uh, take care of the security of the United States in a way that protects us, but also doesn't involve us in an endless uh, conflict and in an endless series of deployments uh, to a, a zone of conflict? Uh, and I think we should have, you know, at the very latest, uh, you know, my personal view is that we should have left Afghanistan after bin Laden was killed. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's, you know, somewhat harsh and, uh, you know, would be something that puts the people in Kabul at, at a great deal of risk. Uh, but by the same token, uh, they also have an obligation to stand up for certain things uh, to protect their interests. And we can't always be seen to be the military force that goes in and stays everywhere. We have a lot of obligations around the world, and we also want to make sure that when we go to a place uh, that we can achieve uh, goals that uh, are reachable and that we can actually uh, use those goals to further our domestic and foreign policy interests. And in Afghanistan, we've basically gotten caught in a quagmire, and that's something that uh, we should have avoided at all costs. Well, let me ask you th this question. What would happen in Afghanistan, and would it be a major threat to American national security if we pulled out all our troops? Well, if we did it now and we did it precipitously, it would be a real problem. So that's one of the one of the issues. You also have to have a plan to withdraw. Uh, but the risk is certainly there that uh, the Taliban will take over and that it would come become once again a basis for uh, terrorist groups uh, to use uh, in that country as a place to launch attacks from. Uh, that you have to keep uh, keep away from. You know, you know, we have to keep that issue away from Afghanistan. And you have to make sure that when you do something like that, that you can always go back in for a surgical strike. And we have that capability and we should use that capability. Okay. Uh, 
Our guest in this half hour is Colonel Cedric Layton, U.S. Air Force retired, uh, who is an expert on national security policy. Uh, if you want to contact Colonel Layton, you can uh, reach him on Twitter at Cedric Layton, that's C-E-D-R-I-C-L-E-I-G-H-T-O-N, um, or his website, uh, and his website is CedricLayton.com. Uh, Colonel Layton, thanks for joining us today on Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, I always think we have uh, very interesting discussions. Uh, so thank you for joining us again. It is my pleasure, Brad. Thanks so much for having me. It's always great to be with you. Okay. Uh, in the second half hour, we'll have our provocative progressive political panel, as always, discuss latest developments in politics. Our guests are Kimberly Scott, the publisher of Demolist, and Mark Grimaldi. Okay. Welcome back to Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. These are strange days indeed. The pandemic has ended many time-honored traditions, like taking the kids to visit their grandparents, going to the ball yard to see the local nine play, and sharing date night with your partner at the Cineplex. We live in the age of COVID-19, so it shouldn't come as a surprise that we're in the middle of a presidential race that reflects the strange nature of the times we live in. The traditional pattern of American politics is for presidential candidates to embrace the ideological extremes of their parties in the spring and then race to the center after their nominations. Texas political activist Jim Hightower once said, there's nothing in the middle of the road but a yellow stripe and dead armadillos. This year, there's nothing but a black pole in the center of the political universe. But this year, we have a... Republican president who has held fast to the most right-wing tenets of his party without interruption since we entered the 2000 since we began the 2016 presidential race. We have a presumptive Democratic nominee who ran to the center to win his party's nod, but has moved left since he clinched the nomination in the spring. Go for it, Joe. Former President Bill Clinton laments the fact that he didn't have a major crisis to handle that would have proven him to be a great president. If he wins, Joe Biden won't have that problem, but he will have lots of big problems to confront. He will inherit a nation plagued by pandemic and deep in recession. The ravages of climate change lurk just around the corner. The only way he can deal with these crises is uh, with an aggressive progressive FDR-style assault on the threats to our national survival. Nothing less will, not, anything less will not be enough. Okay, we're back uh, for our provocative progressive political panel. Uh, joining us on the panel today are Kim Scott, the uh, publisher of Demlist, uh, and our own progressive political activist, uh, Mark J. Grimaldi. Uh, Kim is the publisher of Demlist and editor of Dem Daily, a political column dedicated to educating and informing the public about the Democratic Party, policy and politics. 
Sign up for the column is at www.demlist.com. The Twitter handle is The Demlist. Joining Kim on the panel is progressive political activist Mark Grimaldi. Mark has worked on get-out-the-vote operations for several Democratic presidential candidates, including Joe Biden. Mark is also involved in campaign finance reform and efforts for cancer research. His Twitter handle is Mark J. Grimaldi. Okay, panel, uh, let's start with this. Uh, first, let's go to you, Mark. Uh, the polls show that uh, Joe Biden has a big lead in the presidential race. Uh, the ABC News and the Washington Post uh, released the results of a new national poll yesterday uh, that showed Joe Biden has a 15 percent lead with all registered voters and a 10 percent lead with likely voters. My And uh, the first thing I thought of when I saw the new poll uh, was a flight I took from Atlanta uh, back home after the end of the uh, eight, 1988 Democratic National Convention when Democrats nominated uh, Michael Dukakis to go up against uh, George W. Bush. Uh, all the polls are showing that Mike Dukakis had double-digit leads. Uh, me and my friends had a great time at the convention and flying back home, uh, you know, talking about the wonders of a Michael Dukakis presidency. And it all came crashing and burned as polls closed up and Michael Dukakis went down. So my question to you, Mark, is uh, can Donald Trump recover from his summer slump? Uh, to win a second term. Yes, um, and I don't think anyone who's been in politics uh, for any amount of time would tell you no. Uh, you know, you obviously can see that this is a very unprecedented time. We haven't had a health crisis like this for 100 years since the Spanish flu. And I think that, you know, when you look at something like that, that's a unique situation enough then you add into that that we have racial unrest in this country that hasn't been seen and the type of activism that hasn't been seen um since probably i would say at least 50 60 years um you know it's it's been a really just volatile time for americans and then you add in the factor that regardless of, of what side of the aisle you're on, unless you're a diehard, you know, Trump supporter, I, I don't think you can come to the conclusion that he's performed well when these crises hit. Um, regardless of who you want to give credit to on the economic, uh, you know, success of his first two years in office, um, you know, I personally think he was riding the coattails of President Obama. Um, and it was, you know, something that was President Obama had to pull out of uh, after George W. Bush's disastrous second term. Um, but then you look at what has happened since President Trump has been tested and he's failed by every single metric. And not only that, 
he's vying for the worst leadership in the world based on the COVID-19 numbers uh, down there with the likes of Brazil, uh, where their president actually has been infected and is also um, refusing to wear masks and things like that. So I think we are the worst in the world or very close to it. Um, that said, uh, I think, oh, I think maybe we have Kim here. Hi, Kim. Great. Great to have you. Thanks Hi. for joining us. Uh, so I'll just fill you in. We were just, Brad had asked me about the poll numbers and basically whether or not Donald Trump can, uh, make a, some sort of a comeback. And my answer was absolutely yes. We're in an unprecedented time and I think anything can happen. And anybody who's been in politics long enough and tells you otherwise, um, I think is just not being realistic, but, uh, I'd love to hear what you have to say. It is a tough road. Um, there's no question, um, fortunately, um, but it mm -hmm. is still, I think, possible. I mean, whoever thought we would be in a worldwide pandemic five months ago? Well, the scientists did, but yeah. didn't acknowledge. So <clears throat> now, there is we'll thing, them. Right. So there is one thing that's floated out there too that might be a last-minute boost for them, and that's the possibility of on the night of. And on the night that Joe Biden accepts the nomination anchored in Milwaukee, that President Trump will announce that, announce that he is switching Mike Pence as his running mate for Nikki Haley, former South Carolina governor. So, you know, and particularly with this president, who knows what may happen. But it's, it's, uh, it's great to see the stretch in the polls, but we've all seen crazier things happen not many but crazier okay uh kim uh while we have you uh do you want to say something uh uh john lewis sadly passed away over the weekend uh what can you uh, want to say about john lewis and the impact he made on american society uh, amazing man unfortunately one that i um i was able to do some projects with over the years uh, a true gentleman and and statesmen. And we don't see as many of those as we used to. But from the time he started, he was part of SNCC when he was 18, 19 years old, um, really was truly one of the pioneers of the civil rights movement, one of the big six organizers of the March on Washington, and then of course was with Dr. King and marched with him to Selma, Alabama and across the Edmund Pettus Bridge where he was brutally beaten. Um, and it's we can only learn by his example. And I think it's very important that we we try to encourage the next generation of John Lewis's. Um, certainly, the the party and every aspect <clears throat> uh, of the party across the board is doing everything to encourage more involvement by uh, minority leaders at a very young age um, and. His example, it doesn't matter that he was a teenager in 1960. I, it all still applies. It really okay. it's a great loss. Okay. We're going to go to a break now, um, our audio break. We will continue for our viewers on Periscope.tv and for the first time today, Facebook Live. So stay tuned. 
Uh, we'll be back with our radio listeners in four minutes. Uh, we will continue with our video listeners. And if you're listening and you want uh, to watch the show, uh, go to periscope.tv front slash Brad Bannon. I have my own Periscope channel or Facebook Live. We'll be back after these messages. Okay, welcome back to Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. Uh, thanks to our viewers on PeriscopeTV.com uh, and also Facebook Live for the first time today. Uh, for our audio listeners, if you want to watch the show as well as listen to it, uh, you can join us uh, at uh, Periscope.tv uh, front slash Brad Bannon. Um, or on Facebook Live. But let's get back to the uh, let's get back to our guest, uh, Kimberly Scott, uh, the publisher of Demlist, and progressive political activist Mark Grimaldi. Uh, Mark, uh, Joe Biden announced that uh, the govern former governor of Ohio, the former Republican governor of Ohio, John Kasich, uh, who was also a Republican presidential candidate in 2016 is going to be the speaker uh, at the virtual Democratic convention. This is opposed, of course, to the uh, Republican COVID convention in Jacksonville. Uh, what do you make of uh, John Kasich's appearance? I think, you know, first of all, he's one of the people on stage in 2016 that I said, you know, to myself and many others, if, you know, a Republican were to be chosen uh, and as president, this is probably the least uh problematic choice i would i would have because he you know although he um you know enabled policies that i disagree with um he seemed like he had you know the thoughts of someone who really cared about the country and wanted to do good for the country which sounds like something you would think every candidate would have but man that's not something i i could say about the 2016 uh republican field um unfortunately with the worst being donald trump um and i think that this just goes to show that common sense um moderate republicans uh are going to be gravitating toward joe biden because they've seen the destruction that um has happened under donald trump and those who care about the country much like um you know uh, the lincoln project uh and republican voters against trump you're seeing people say country before party and actually putting their money where their mouth is and either you know distancing themselves from donald trump or denouncing him or coming all the way out and fully endorsing joe biden but to then have him speak at the convention i personally think is powerful you need to expand you know your voting block as much as you can um i don't think it's going to alienate you know a large swath of democratic voters you know maybe some would be offended by it but i think overall um it's just going to show other republicans who are on the fence that you know okay this this gentleman who i respect um has done this i, I could see myself doing this him do you want to comment on governor Kasich? Yeah. well i agree very much on um mark's articulate expression of um people feeling country before party john Kasich. i'm not sure if all the the people in ohio would necessarily agree that he's a 
agree with that. He is a very ambitious man still, but nevertheless, it's what he represents. That he's considered more moderate by most. Uh, it's smart to have Republican up in the same way that uh, in the past, presidents of the other party have picked some people for, like in Obama's case, Republican John Huntsman to be an ambassador. So you have to be able to show that you are crossing party lines. Biden, at least originally, uh, was touted to be more moderate. Um, and as Mark said, things like the Lincoln Project, which is a, um, okay. uh, a series of, of ads that are being produced by high-profile Republicans. Uh, ah, the Lincoln Project. Okay, uh, let's try something else. Uh, Every time I scroll uh, Facebook, uh, I get angry at something. Um, but uh, this weekend, um, one thing that really set me off, which I think is a very dangerous thing, uh, is the president uh, has sent uh, armed forces into the city of Portland uh, to help put down uh, the civil disturbances there. Um, apparently, these masked, uh, unmarked uh, uh, police um, are a combination of border guards and prison guards from federal prisons. Uh, and they're essentially uh, taking protesters off the streets, um, you know, putting them into unmarked cars and take them away. Now, in the Trump tradition of let's make things worse than it possibly could be, uh, the attorney general today announced that they were going to do the same thing in Chicago. Um, and the other thing along those lines which disturbed me is yesterday Chris Wallace on Fox asked the president uh, whether or not um, he would accept uh, the results of the presidential election if he lost, and he said he might or he might not. Um, I, I think, you know, this, this Portland and now Chicago thing is incredibly dangerous. The idea of a federal police force going into a city uh, without the consent of local and state officials and pulling people off the streets, you know, I, I've resisted using the term fascist as long as I could, because that to me is a pretty extreme turn. But th this is getting out of hand, Kim. Oh, I absolutely agree. And let's call it for what it is. You know, I mean, Trump is still trying to appeal or at least hold on to his base, which is dwindling at last, uh, despite all his efforts, um, or because of his efforts. Um, but no, it's enormously dangerous. You know, here we have, you know, Again, we lost John Lewis this weekend. And in the same weekend, we're looking at a repeat of, of it, seeing the same kind of video from the, the mid-60s civil rights movement. Um, and I, I, this also, like anything else, it puts it into a tailspin. It creates a diversion from other things that are going on. And it will certainly create more lawsuits and more protests. Mark? Yeah. Do you have any feelings about this? 
Yes, and the fact that, you know, you saw... Just kidding, I knew probably did. You saw things happen, you know, like the, the uh, people who were captured were, and that's what I say, captured, kidnapped. They were grabbed off the streets, not even, this is in Portland over the weekend, uh, and last week they were grabbed off the streets by uh, officers, federal officers in military outfits without identification in unmarked cars. What even, And when they got brought in they were not mirandized at first the gentleman who uh uh talked to portland um public broadcasting said his beanie was pulled over his face while they were driving to this federal prison area that they have set up and then he was a put he was put in a cell with other people who were not wearing masks and you know then he was mirandized is that does that sound like america to you and now that trump is saying that's a success and he wants to send this to more american cities and you know obviously there's meant there are many liberal cities like you have chicago i think nashville was mentioned um this is extremely dangerous and i think you know you have in detroit too uh, it was also mentioned as well as atlanta you're gonna have more escalations these people are not trained to deal with these type of protests um, go read the Washington Post today because there's a Navy veteran. Uh, his vet, his video went viral. All he did was approach the officers in Portland and ask them, please remember your oath. And his hand was broken in two places and he had chemical irritants sprayed in his face. And he had his Navy shirt on and everything. The, uh, the video has 11 million views. So that's what President Trump is calling a success that he wants to go send to more American cities. So I, I, I couldn't be more scared of this and, and angry myself. Yeah, welcome to uh, brown shirts and fascist Italy in the 1930s. Okay, uh, let's try uh, one more thing. We don't have much time left, uh, so I'll ask for a quick answer from each of you. Um, is Kamala Harris, the senator from California, going to be Joe Biden's running mate? He said he'd make his decision in a couple of weeks. He may not. He said he may not announce it to the convention. Uh, what do you think, Kim? Is Kamala Harris going to be Joe Biden's running mate? I think it's Harris or Elizabeth Warren. Uh, you know, despite the call for uh, a woman, a minority woman, Elizabeth Warren is still very high among Democrats and minority Democrats as a choice. And Biden wants someone who he's, he has that energy with. Um, but that being said, if I had to call it, I had to call it today, I'd call it as Kamala Harris. Mark? I think uh, Kim has perfectly stated what I was thinking. I think, it, you know, maybe there's an outside chance that Val Demings is like a dark horse um, because she ch she checks a lot of boxes along the resume that you'd be hoping for. But I, I have to defer to Kim here um, with her expertise, and I think she hit the nail on the head. Okay, I think that's it for us. That's all for Deadline DC with Brad Bannon today. Uh, thanks to our guest, Colonel Cedric Layton, U.S. Air Force retired. Kimberly Scott, the publisher of Dimlist, and progressive political activist Mark Romaldi. I'm here every Monday at 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. If the Lord is willing, the creek don't rise, and Donald Trump doesn't declare martial law. This is Brad Bannon. Stay, stay strong, stay safe, and don't drink the Clorox or the Kool-Aid. I don't care what the president says. Amazon is hiring near you. Earn a competitive wage and start as soon as seven days. No resume or experience required. 
Health and safety are a top priority with all of our roles and sites, and Amazon is taking precautions in our buildings to keep people healthy. Go to Amazon.com slash apply. That's Amazon.com slash apply. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer. At Speedway, we've always been here to get you what you need when you need it. We're committed to keeping our stores open, clean, and safe, so you can stay fueled and refreshed all summer long. We've got cold drinks for hot days and frozen drinks for even hotter ones, plus energy boosts, quick bites, and pick-me-ups. We're always on your way, and we're always here for you. So no matter what you need, when you stop by, we'll be ready. Now buy any three cooler beverages and get 500 bonus Speedy Rewards points.